Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good people from around the world who want to make a difference. The engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed. The only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Season 4 of Truth and Justice. The case that we're going to be discussing in this season of Truth and Justice was once again brought to us by the Innocence Project of Texas. About three weeks ago, when we were preparing for the conclusion of Season 3, and Mike and Shane and I were beginning to prepare to launch into our new case, the executive director of the Innocence Project of Texas, Mike Ware, asked if we could get on the phone with him to talk about a man who he is certain has been wrongfully convicted. From there, we got on a conference call with both Michael Ware and Allison Clayton, and Michael told me the story about how a man named George Powell III was sent to prison for 28 years for something that he clearly and obviously did not do. And Mr. Ware believes that if we could get the Truth and Justice Army to engage in George Powell's case, that we may actually be able to set him free. George's story is amazing and interesting. But before I can tell you about George Powell, we first, as always, have to go back to the beginning. Our story begins on May 22, 2008, with a man armed with a pistol walked into a Copperas Cove, Texas, Texaco station and demanded that the clerk give him all of the money in the cash register. This robbery was the beginning of a five-robbery crime spree, a spree that ended with George Powell being sentenced to 28 years in prison. This story is different from most that have been told on this podcast. No one was murdered. No one was even injured for that matter. And when you add all of these robberies up together you end up with a total loss of less than $1,000 spread across five different convenience stores. While these robberies may seem insignificant, they become very serious when they steal 28 years out of an innocent man's life. To start this season off, I'm going to begin by breaking down the details and the witness statements from all five robberies. The first, as I mentioned, occurred on May 22, 2008. 
This was a Thursday night, and the robbery occurred at about 11.15 p.m. at the Texaco gas station in Coppers Cove, Texas. Of the five robberies, this is the one that we know the least about. We don't have a copy of this incident report. We only see it referenced in the other four incident reports. What we know from those other reports is that the store was robbed by a white male suspect. He was short, around 5'7". He was slender, wearing a white hat and sunglasses. He had short, dark hair and a goatee. The man walked into the store, pointed a gun at the clerk, and told her to give him everything in the cash register. She did as he asked, and he fled on foot. It was six days later when the robbers struck again. This time, it was at a Valero gas station and convenience store in Killeen, Texas, a neighboring town. This robbery occurred on a Wednesday night, but the time was almost exactly the same, 11.15 p.m. According to the police report, there were two employees working at the Valero on that night. The assistant manager's name was Victoria Noyola, and she was training a new employee named Sherry Rose Olvey. Noyola told the police that the suspect was a white male, he was wearing a white baseball cap and sunglasses, a maroon long sleeve shirt, and blue jeans. She said that he came into the store, walked up to the front counter, pulled a pistol out of his right front pocket, pointed at her, and said, give me all your money. Because of the robber's small stature, her reaction was to ask him, quote, are you serious? She says that the robber responded by saying, yes, give me all your money, hurry up, hurry up. She then gave him all the money from her drawer, which amounted to about $75. The suspect then told her to, quote, give me all your hundreds. She told him that she didn't have any, and he got mad and walked out the front door and ran towards Carter Street. The new employee that was training, Sherry Rose Olvey, also witnessed the robbery. She described the suspect as a white male wearing a white hat with short brown hair, wide black sunglasses, maroon long sleeve button-up shirt, and blue jeans. She said that the white male was about 5 foot 7 inches tall, had a slender build, and was tan. Her recounting of the events were exactly the same as Noyola's. That he asked for the money, then asked for hundreds, and then left mad. The last paragraph of the incident report narrative reads as follows. Quote, I asked Noyola if there was surveillance video, and she said there was. I was able to review the video, and the suspect did not touch anything where fingerprints could be located and lifted. Noyola printed out two photos of the suspect, one entering the store, and the other at the counter with the handgun. The photo with the suspect entering the store shows him to be about 5 foot 7 inches tall, according to the measuring tape on the door jamb. Noyola said that she would contact the district office, get a copy of the video, and bring it to the PD on a later date. I marked the photos and later entered them into EPU as evidence. End quote. So take note here. Sherry Rose Olvey said that the subject was short, five foot seven. The manager, Noyola, then pulled the surveillance video, showed it to the police officer, who writes in his report that he confirms that the suspect was in fact about five foot seven. So keep that in mind as we move along. That was robbery number two. Evidently, the $75 that was obtained by robbing the Valero station wasn't enough for this robber. Because on the very next night, at the exact same time, 11.15 p.m., the robber strikes again. This time he strikes at a Mickey's convenience store just right down the road back in Copperas Cove the same town where he had robbed the Texaco station just exactly one week before. 
So it's a Thursday night, May 29, 2008. At 11.15 p.m., a white male, short in stature, wearing a white ball cap and sunglasses, walked into this Mickey's convenience store, pointed a gun at the clerk, and asked her to give him all the money. In a police report prepared by Officer Lori Ann Hicks with the Coppers Co. Police Department, we find the written statement of Miss Rihanna Wilkins, the clerk who was working on the night of the robbery. Her statement reads as follows. I've been working for Mickey's on and off for about a year now. Most of the time I work 2 p.m. to 10 p.m., and once in a while I work the graveyard shift. I am familiar with the usual people who come into the store. Tonight, May 29, 2008, I started my shift at about 9.35 p.m. I've been working the graveyard shift for the past week and a half because the last night guy, Timothy York, got fired and they have not been able to find a replacement yet. At around 11.15, a white male subject, about 5'5 or 5'6, wearing a white baseball cap on his head, light brown hair that was short and well-kept, a white, quote, wife-beater-type t-shirt, and a white and light brown vertical quarter-inch stripe over the wife-beater. He was also wearing a pair of medium-colored blue jeans. They were loose but not sagging. He had stubble, appeared as if he was trying to grow a goatee on his face, and he had a full mustache. He was also wearing dark sunglasses. He had a little, quote, dip in his squared-type chin. He appeared to be between the ages of 23 to 26. He also looked light-skinned, as if he had not been in the sun much. He approached the counter and pulled a small handgun, silver-colored top with a pearl-colored grip, out of his right pocket. I was watching his face, and at first I didn't even realize that he had a gun. Then he calmly looked at me and said, Give me all the money. I didn't understand what he was telling me, and he again said, Give me all the money. I still didn't respond, so he said, Give me all the fucking money. I looked down at his hand and noticed the gun and realized that I was being robbed. Then I opened the register and he said, Lift up the drawer and give me the hundreds. I told him that I didn't have any hundreds. I grabbed all the bills out of the register, including the $2, quote, bait bill, and placed them on the counter in front of him. He put the gun back into his pocket and scooped up the bills. I then pulled the coin drawer out to give to him, and he just turned toward the door and said, That's okay, keep the change. I watched him as he left the store and began walking towards sunset. Once he was out of sight, I grabbed the phone and ran to the office. I called the police from the office and waited for them to arrive. The report goes on to say that Rihanna didn't recognize the suspect and that she had never seen him before that night. She also mentioned that he had a tattoo on his chest and one on his right arm, but she didn't remember the tattoo designs. Much like the victim in the robbery from the night before, Rihanna says that she originally thought that the suspect was kidding when he asked for all the money. And also, just like the victim from the robbery the night before, Rihanna describes the robber as being very short, 5'5 to 5'6, and very slender. So at this point, we have three robberies, the last two back-to-back and consecutive nights. On Wednesday the 28th, he makes off with 75 bucks from the Valero gas station. And the next night, on Thursday the 29th, in this robbery, he made off with $524. That, apparently, was enough to sustain the robber for a little while, because we don't hear from him again for over a week. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ten days after the robbery at the Mickey's Convenience Store in Copperas Cove, our serial stick-up artist strikes again at another Mickey's. This time, he's back in Killeen. On June 8th, just after midnight at 12.05 a.m., the Mickey's Convenience Store at 902 West Jasper Drive in Killeen, Texas, was stuck up by a white male, possibly Hispanic, 5'8", slender, short black hair with a chrome gun. There were two people working at the Mickey's that night. A woman named Carrie Matsuki and a man named Antoine Westbrook. Both Matsuki and Westbrook gave written statements to police. And in both of their statements, they say that there were three customers in the store when they noticed the white male suspect enter. Westbrook said that he noticed that the white male waited until all the other customers exited the store before he approached his female co-worker. The suspect pulled a silver gun out of his right pocket, pointed it at Mitsuki, and said, quote, give me all the money. And in this case, just like the previous three robberies, both Westbrook and Mitsuki thought the suspect was joking. In their statements, they each thought that the other one must know this guy and didn't believe that they were actually being robbed. It wasn't until he raised his right hand to waist level and brandished the small chrome handgun. Both Westbrook and Mitsuki described the suspect as a white male, possibly of Hispanic ethnicity, short, possibly five foot eight, slender build, with black short hair, dark sunglasses, and a goatee. They said that he was wearing a long sleeve blue and white horizontal striped shirt with blue jeans. In the report, Westbrook goes on to describe the robbery and says that he asked the suspect to point the gun at him rather than at his female co-worker. He says that the robber then said, quote, I'm not playing, give me the hundreds. Mitsuki told the robber that they didn't have any bills that high and showed him the cash drawer. The robber then fled on foot, making off with $179. And once again, we have several parallels between this robbery and the first three robberies. In all four cases, the clerks did not believe that they were actually being robbed. In all four cases, they thought the robber was joking. In all four cases, the robber was described as being a short, white male with slender build. Descriptions range from 5'6 to 5'8. And in this case, as in the Valero incident, there was a surveillance video that was turned over to the police. We'll be making all of these videos available on the website and through our Facebook page for you to view them. And you'll see, as I have, the man that robbed these stores was a tiny little guy, very thin, and it was most definitely the same man in all of these robberies. The crime spree continued on to the next night. Almost exactly 24 hours later, 
after the Mickey's in Colleen was robbed, a 7-Eleven in Colleen was also robbed. This robbery on June 9, 2008, is the one that we're going to be focused on for the rest of the episode. And that's because, of all five, this is the only robbery where someone was actually charged and convicted. And in this case, like several of the others, we have surveillance footage from two different angles of the robber entering the store, holding up the clerk, and fleeing out the front door on foot. The incident report from the Colleen Police Department reads as follows, quote, On June 9, 2008, at about 12.10 a.m., several units were dispatched to 1000 South W.S. Young Drive at the 7-Eleven convenience store for a silent alarm. While en route, we were informed that the store had been robbed and the suspect had a handgun and fled the store on foot. Officer Mirabelle informed dispatch that he was on the scene and that he was making contact with the clerk in the store. Officer Mirabelle then informed dispatch that a white male wearing a white baseball cap, white long-sleeve button-up shirt with a collar, blue jeans, and white tennis shoes had robbed the store. He also stated that the suspect was wearing sunglasses. Officer Mirabelle informed dispatch that the suspect had left on foot from the store before he arrived. Upon my arrival, I made contact with the store clerk that was on duty at the time, and she was identified as Melissa Keene. Miss Keene said that she had been stacking items on the shelves when two males had walked into the store. She said that one of the males was an older male that comes into the store all the time. She said the other was a suspect that Officer Mirabel had described when he arrived on scene. Miss Keene said that the older male left the store after he had purchased an item. Miss Keene said that the other male approached the counter and told her to give him all the money she had in the register. Miss Keene said she replied by saying, Excuse me? The male told her again to give her all the money from the register, and at that time he pointed a small semi-auto handgun, silver or chrome in color, at her. Miss Keene said that when she saw the gun, she opened the register drawer. Miss Keene said she opened the drawer to the cash register and handed the male a $5 bill, $1 bills, and a $2 bill. The male then told Miss Keene to give him the lotto money that was in the block somewhere in the store. She told him she did not know what he was talking about. The male then made Miss Keene give him two cartons of Marlboros, $82.78 in value, and two cartons of Newport cigarettes, $104.98 in value. The male then left the store on foot, turning north, and then east on Terrace Drive. Miss Keene provided a voluntary statement and described the male as about 5'6", very slim, 28 years old or 30 years old. She said that the male was wearing a white baseball cap, white long-sleeve button-up shirt with a collar, blue jeans, white tennis shoes, and sunglasses. End quote. Shortly after this, the manager, Elizabeth Anderson, arrived on the scene and made a copy of the video security footage and gave it to the police for evidence. As noted in the report, Melissa Keene did give a handwritten voluntary statement. It reads as follows. Quote, There was a male with a white ball cap and pair of black sunglasses. He was wearing a long white shirt with long sleeves, blue jeans, and white tennies. There was an older customer who just left. He was right behind him. After the old customer left, I asked him how I could help him, and he said, give me all your money in your register. I said to him, excuse me? He replied, you heard me, give me all your money. I gave him the money in the register. He asked for me to pick up the cash drawer, and I did it, and let him know that I didn't have any more money. He then asked for the lotto money. I told him I don't know where that was. He said don't play with him, and to give him the lotto money. I told him, oh my God, I don't know where or what that was. He said it's okay, that there is a little box where we put it. I said again, I don't know what that is. Then he said, okay, then give me two cartons of Marlboro Reds and two cartons of Newports. 
I gave him the carton of cigarettes. Then he started to leave and walk out. The gun was small, silver. He pulled it out right above the counter. He looked like he was in his early 30s, maybe around 28 or 29. Really slim and around 5 foot 6. He asked, give me all your money in the register. I said, excuse me. He asked a second time and took out a small silver handgun at level with the counter. And it was pointed towards me. Signed, Melissa Keene. What are our similarities between this robbery and the other four robberies? They're, in fact, identical. In all five cases, the suspect was described as a white male, somewhere between 5'6 and 5'8, short, slender, with a goatee, short, dark hair. In every case, he's wearing a white ball cap and dark sunglasses. In every case, he very calmly pointed a small gun. Everyone who described the looks of the gun described it as being chrome or silver. In all five cases, the clerks did not believe they were being robbed. This man looked so unintimidating that rather than react in fear, all five clerks asked if he was serious before they figured out that they were actually being robbed. So based on these witness statements of these five robberies, what do we know about this robber? Well, it's very clear the police should have been looking for someone who was slender and very short. They have three different sets of video surveillance that clearly show the man walking in and out of these convenience stores. And in one of the reports, the officer even reviewed the tape on the scene and confirmed that the clerk's assessment of the man being about five foot seven was accurate because in the surveillance footage, he could see that the short man as he walked out the door, based on the tape on the side of the door, was in fact about five foot seven. I think that they should have been looking for someone who is somewhat soft-spoken who in actuality, aside from these crimes, is probably a pretty nice guy. Look at his reaction in all five situations when they didn't have very much money and they couldn't comply with his demands. He never got violent. He never escalated the situation. And in fact, in this last robbery, the one at the 7-Eleven, there was only $12 in the drawer. He was happy to accept the $12 along with four cartons of cigarettes. And even the act of asking for the cigarettes tells us a little bit about our suspect. Number one, he has someone else that he's taking care of. I know a lot of people who smoked, and I smoked myself for years. I've never known someone to smoke two different brands of cigarettes. Everybody has their own brand. But in that robbery, he asked specifically for two cartons of Marlboro Reds and two cartons of Newports. Clearly, two of those cartons were for someone else. And that also means that someone else knows who this guy is. This white male, very short and statured, five foot six to five foot eight, with a slender build and a goatee. Someone knows who this man is. But as this story unfolds, our serial robber was never caught. Because based on a Crime Stoppers tip and some changing testimony, a man named George Powell the third was arrested and charged with these robberies. While at one point Powell was charged with all five robberies, he was only actually ever tried for the 7-Eleven robbery. As you remember, that's the last one, the one where the robber got away with 12 bucks and four cartons of cigarettes. The one where we have the most clear video images of the robber coming in, robbing the store, and walking out. The one where the victim described the robber as being short, five foot six, and slender. 
We all know that eyewitness identification certainly does not have the strongest evidentiary value compared to other pieces of evidence. Eyewitnesses can definitely mess things up, and other than seeing somebody walk out past the tape on a door at a convenience store, we wouldn't expect someone to know the exact height of someone. However, in this case, we have six different witnesses that all describe the man as short, all of them describing him as being under five foot eight. And George Powell III, at the time of the robberies, was six foot three and nearly 200 pounds. How do six victims describe the robber as being short and under five foot eight, and a man get convicted who's six foot three inches tall? Next week on Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice is a production of NBI Studios. Michael Bussing is our executive producer. Shane Yoder is our sound engineer. I want to thank Tate Krupa for designing and creating our logo. Thank you to Chris Brinkley of sylviaconsultants.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website. I want to thank our transcription team, Sarah Mueller, Anna Dindorf, Britta Bliss, and Stephanie McConnell. And also thank you to Desiree Dunn for printing off and mailing the transcripts every week. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com. And I personally want to thank all of you for engaging in yet another season of Truth and Justice. Remember, just a couple of days, on Wednesday, we're going to be recording our first Friday follow-up episode for this season. Between now and then, email us your questions, thoughts, and theories to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can send us messages through our Facebook page. You can make comments on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. Or you can tweet your questions to us at truthjusticepod. Don't forget about our voicemail line at 269-224-2833. You can call that number at any time and leave us voicemail questions for the Friday follow-ups. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. <laughs>